We're on Metro FM Talk and uh, we uh, speak uh, tonight to uh, one of our colleagues here at the SABC, uh, SABC News reporter Hasina Gori, uh, who, as I said, had pound seats uh, to uh, all of the developments that unfolded out in uh, the uh, trial, uh, looking at, into the circumstances uh, surrounding the murder of uh, former Bafana Bafana captain and goalkeeper Senzo Meiwa. Now, uh, we also did see, I guess, as proceedings uh, adjourned towards the end of the day, the arrest of uh, uh, yeah, uh, one advocate, uh, Malisela Defo, who's representing uh, the uh, defense there, four of the five accused uh, in this particular case. And uh, he was overheard saying, Begitela doesn't want him on the case. Hasina Gori, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, Hasina, maybe just before we get, I guess, into what a lot of people are talking about, which is, um, you know, the arrest of advocate Malesela Tefo. Just before we get there, what else unfolded today? Uh, Because in many ways that happened after the session had adjourned. And uh, many of our listeners would be interested in hearing how, um, you know, the arguments uh, were presented uh, today. Uh, In the continuing testimony, I understand, of uh, uh, one gentleman, one Mr. Mosia from the South African Police Service. So um, it was a dramatic day from the very onset today. Um, we began with the cross-examination continuing with uh, Sergeant Sabo Mosia. He is one of the forensic officers, one of the first who arrived on the scene on the 27th of October 2014. He was tasked with collecting and uh, recording all that evidence that was found at the home. Uh, he, this whole week has been really, uh, you know, do, uh, been a uh, filled with his evidence. He gave evidence in chief of what he saw when he arrived at the scene, uh, talking of the bullet hole that he saw on the kitchen door, Mm. um, as well as that checkered hat, which has come under much a discussion that was found on the floor of the kitchen, as well as the walking stick. And then telling us that the second day, uh, when he had returned, uh, you know, to the scene to to continue uh, looking for evidence, he followed the the direction of the uh, bullet hole and then found a bullet fragment um, behind uh, kitchen jars or, or glass jars on the kitchen cabinet. Uh, so that was the, the kind of the physical evidence that he talked about. But he also spoke about that blood splatter that he saw in the dining room near the TV stand um, as well as on the wall. And, and it spoke around in quite length of the uh, forensic evidence that he then took, the swabs that he took of the uh, different doors, um, the kitchen tiles, um, the uh, area around the TV stand, but also um, there were alcohol cans that he said he saw on the scene and that was also swapped for DNA. Mm. And, and these were all the different um, elements that he went through. But during cross-examination, Advocate um, Malesela Tefo really tried to uh, chip away at the credibility of uh, the uh, sergeant, uh, firstly claiming the length between uh, when he arrived at the scene from the incident. Um, it was quite a lengthy time. Today, and I think one of the big questions that many people have been asking is whether or not the scene was tampered with, whether or not the scene was cleaned, whether it was altered. And today, towards the very end, um, the advocate put to Sergeant Mosia that could it be that by the time he arrived at the scene, what he saw was a staged version or a staged crime scene that was made to fit the version of events that people Mm. wanted to tell him really saying that maybe Brigadier and Glovu, um, as well as he alleges there was this meeting with top brass of the counting provincial um, uh, officials, as well as some government officials. And maybe then they only called Sergeant Mercier to the scene after deciding on a version mm. they wanted him to then see for himself. So that was one of the uh, issues that were brought up, but also... right. And, and maybe just before we leave that one, I mean, what mm. was uh, Brigadier Mosia's response to that? I mean, that he, 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 that he would have been brought onto the scene after many of his superiors would have been there. 
he said that uh, this was normal process that he'd be called to a forensic scene that his job is to collect once the police have done their uh, kind of work and the crime scene is then handed to him but also saying that he's an experienced uh, forensic official almost 16 years in the field and and one of his jobs would be to see and, and notice certain things and he he said that what he saw collated with that version that he was told that there was a scuffle he said the walking stick as well as the hat you know really uh, you know went with that narrative but also right in the very onset when we started in the morning um we saw the state prosecutor uh, advocate george beloy uh, telling the court and bringing heads of arguments saying they uh, had issues with the manner and the the way in which um Advocate Tefal was uh, cross-examining the witness, saying that he was asking uh, on things that were beyond his scope when it comes to forensic and ballistic evidence, mm. uh, saying that uh, the, the answers that he had given when it comes to forensic and ballistic evidence should be expunged. And, and the judge agreeing that, you know, there were certain things that were uh, objectable, but it should have been brought up at the same time and not now in heads of arguments, uh, but allowing then uh, for Advocate Tefal to be able to respond properly uh, to those later on, saying that um, the state bringing those heads of arguments in court was ambushing um, you know the uh, defense as well so really that was the morning part of it there was also issues around the DNA of that hat mm. the hat uh, is alleged to have been um, you know one of the suspects suspect number accused number three is alleged to be the sugar person the person that shot that that gun and the gun was found um, allegedly a firearm was found in his possession which they want to link to this crime scene so there was a lot of conversation and, and, and questioning around those kind of things but again uh, you know the reminder to advocate therefore that um, this witness may not be the correct person to put some of these questions to because his job is only to collect the evidence so so what was the, the story scene. with the dna the d- so the what, dna yeah. um so allegedly the the hat was uh, uh, supposed to be that of the alleged suspect mm. and um according to advocate therefore from information that he has the dna results show that it's a female's dna and mm. that the accused is clearly a male However, the state objected saying that they have evidence and they'll bring forensic evidence that shows contradiction to that. So it's going to be interesting when the next witnesses do come in that answer to these specific expertise what those answers come to. So that's basically being the crux we have, you know, advocate um, the state witness the first state witness is still under oath. He's only going to return on the 30th. And and just to clarify that advocate Tef was only um representing accused number 1 to 4. Accused okay. number 5 has his own um uh, advocate and its own defense and she still has to uh, cross examine this witness and it's yet for her to do so so she will only do that now when they return on 30th of May because mm. this block period has already uh, you know lapsed with the amount of um postponements we saw and issues that we saw coming out this case has been riddled with many side track events mm. that's been happening Hasina I want you to hold the line there for me for a second we're going to take a quick spot break when we come back I want us to look at uh, yeah I guess the circumstances surrounding the incarceration of uh, counsel for the uh, for four of the accused and that is uh, advocate Malisela Tefo and uh, we'll come back to that after this. This month don't just eat at an engine wimpy win at an engine wimpy eat win ride it's that easy to win a Polo Vivo at Engine Wimpy. Stand a chance of winning one of four Polo Vivos when you spend 100 rand or more at any Engine Wimpy. Valid this March to May. T's and C's apply. Engine Wimpy. Love the journey. Staying up to date with your TV license balance has never been easier. You simply SMS your ID number or TV license number to 44210 to get your balance. 
Quick and easy at the touch of your fingertips. Standard network SMS costs apply. Free SMSs do not apply. Pena TV license helps us to keep you informed and educated. Always. SABC TV licenses made possible by you. T's and C's apply. Swipe and save extra with Checkers Liquor Shop. Like three six packs of 410 ml Castle Light beer cans for only 170 Rand. Save 70 Rand. Offer valid until 8 May in store or get it delivered with liquorshop.co.za. Not for persons under the age of 18. Drink responsibly. Parsons Hill, we've got you covered. 87.9 FM. It's where you're at. The headlines. The headlines on Metro FM Talk. 10 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our headline segment. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, SABC News reporter Asina Gori. We speak to her about uh, the latest uh, insofar as the murder case or the murder trial, I should say, of uh, Senzo Meiwa, uh, which uh, also, I guess, had its own drama towards the tail end as uh, matters adjourned today. And that drama involved the uh, arrest of advocate Malesela Defo, uh, who represents four of the five accused in this particular matter. And Hasina, maybe just uh, give us... Uh, a brief background into the context. Um, at what stage did the members of the tactical response team and what we might have seen as a member of the South African Police Service come into the room? It does seem that Advocate Defo there was uh, busy packing up his stuff uh, at the end of uh, a very long day in court. So what we saw coming back from the lunch adjournment was uh, Advocate Defo doing a little bit of cross-examination and then sitting down and his um, instructing attorney then addressing the court and saying that they've been getting intimidating calls and threats from at least Monday. This is actually not anything new. We've heard mm. Advocate Defo telling the court quite often that they have been uh, receiving death threats, that he had to change attorneys because um, they were given death threats as well. Um, and, and, you know, really speaking on these threats, but also telling the court that during the lunch adjournment, they got disturbing news that there was an imminent arrest of Advocate Tefo. And he had asked for court to adjourn, saying that uh, his uh, counsel was not in a state to now continue with cross-examination. They will call, the, call this witness at a later stage, but right now, um, you know, he was not in any uh, form to continue. And the court adjourned a little bit earlier than it was expected, which was normally at 3 o'clock. And as he was packing up, and everyone started, uh, you know, packing up for the day, um, we saw that tactical unit coming in, quite a large number, quite a show of force. Um, you know, and surrounding uh, the advocate, um, as well as someone who um, identified himself as the investigating officer, mm. coming through with a warrant, and, and, and you saw that back and forth. I'm sure you've seen those social media kind of uh, visuals coming through, as well as the ones on SABC, uh, where you see this back and forth, kind of trying to understand what's going on, what are these charges, and, and, and where did they emanate from? Um, and uh, at that point, there was a lot of unclarity in what was going on, uh, there was no, uh, we could hear the, the media asking, have you been read your rights? Have you been officially charged? Um, he didn't want to, uh, the IO didn't want to engage. At one point, he even responded saying, I'm not here to negotiate with you and you need to go, um, you know. And there was this back and forth going forward. Even the other advocates, both the state advocate as well as the advocate for the other defense, both trying to, you know, coincide and see what's going on and, mm. and then understand what's going on. Um, but it led to him eventually being uh, handcuffed and taken down to the prison cells at the Pretoria High Court. 
um, at that point, we managed to speak to his attorney, instructing attorney, as well as people that were close to him, who explained to us this is not something unusual for Advocate Tefo, that he has been or has seemed to be a target for the top brass in the uh, police. Um, and it seems that he has ruffled some feathers with the kind of cases that he does because he is a former police officer who then became an advocate and, and represented labor cases within the uh, police, but also um, would represent uh, whistleblowers mm. who came out on corruption within the uh, police um, and, and within that kind of sector. So he has ruffled some feathers. Um, and then we managed to speak to him while he was in the holding cell, um, where he then explained to us that according to um, the I.O., he was being arrested for um, contempt of court. He was mm. supposed to allegedly appear on a matter, and um, he didn't. This um, warrant of arrest was issued in January. However, he claims that he has a cancellation of that warrant in December. He also said there was a trespassing charge, which he was also, um, you know, he appeared in court for it and was... Uh, so so what was the first charge? Assault? Not assault. Both of them are for contempt of court. Um, so it seems to be a trespassing. That was the one that we understood. Okay. Uh, so it was trespassing, and then it was he didn't appear for um, a court date, which is the second one on the trespassing matter, which he says he appeared for, and he's also got a cancellation of warrant. He also then alleged to us that there was a fraudulent warrant of arrest used for his arrest today mm. and um that's also um he's sent us through and we've seen the copy of the uh cancellation of that warrant which was dated last year so it's unclear yet we're waiting on a police statement we told they are meant to give us the police statement today we also told that it seems that the advocate will appear at the Hellbrow uh, Magistrates Court tomorrow. We're still waiting on confirmation regarding that. We're unable to get into contact with Advocate Tefo um, as of like seven, um, six o'clock this evening. We were mm. able to before that. So it's unclear right now what's going on um, and what whether he's been held, where he has been held. The last we knew, he was in a holding cell at the Pretoria High Court uh, where we saw him being taken in uh, by the police. So tomorrow when, if he does arrive in court, it will be then... Uh, you know, to find out whether he'd be formally charged, whether it would be sent out of the warning, whether, um, you know, the police did have a, a valid uh, warrant of arrest for him and what exactly these charges are. The one question that did come out, and you heard it when you were speaking to the media while in court as well, saying that um, this was an issue that happened in December, or if this warrant of arrest was sent out in January, why wait till now? Why wait till right now? And we even heard the state advocate ask this question, why wait now when he's in the middle of a case? A very high profile, a very prolific a case that has such public interest. Why wait now to come and arrest him? And why does it seem to be a show of force? So these are questions that I think we're still waiting to get some clarity on. Police have not responded. We've tried from the afternoon to get some kind of clarity from them on what exactly you know going on. And and, and we've heard from even his one of his close associates, uh, um, John Clark, we spoke to outside court, mm. saying that um, because of the work he does, and we heard from another advocate who's worked with him, um, you know, saying that this has been a case. And it seems that the police ministry and the top brass do not like the work that he does. And this is a show of intimidation as well, um, you know, to intimidate those that want to come out against corruption within the police industry. We, we know, Hasina, that uh, law enforcement, especially security forces, military, police, that type of thing, work on a command control structure. Um, and I'd be interested in whether or not, I mean, as you say, the police haven't been really responsive. Uh, but, um, I mean, have you posed that question? Who, who gave the command that, you know, Advocate Tefo must be uh, arrested for this matter? 
which I, I guess, yeah, is a few months late. Trying to find us. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're trying to find out. I think that's a big question coming, you know, trying to even find out what are the charges because when he was arrested, no rights were written out when he mm. was handcuffed. Um, we all were present there. It was very, uh, you know, recorded quite extensively from many, many different angles. No one heard him. He refused to. He said, whether the media is here or not, I will not. I don't need to do certain things. And and we don't even know the name of the investigating officer that came in with that. And also the unnecessary force. Mm. I mean, we heard the deputy speaker of uh, the National Assembly speaking on that, saying that there was unnecessary use of force. Um, you know, to come into a courtroom and, and arrest someone in that manner is not something that is proper. And, and I, it wasn't like he was going to run away or disappear in the middle of this very high-profile case. Uh, so why would the need... Um, you know, to come in with with that kind of um, intimidation tactic um, into the courtroom and arrest him in that manner. Mm, mm. Hasina, we're going to have to leave it here for now. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to be following this one very, very closely uh, as uh, the particular news comes on. And I would certainly encourage many of our listeners to check out SABC Channel 404. Hasina, thank you very much for your time.